You are listening to the Educate on Purpose podcast. This show is designed to support school leaders that want to break down barriers in education. On this show, it doesn't matter if you're a mentor teacher, a district superintendent, or anything in between. Together, we fearlessly fight to provide quality education. We design joyous, caring learning environments, and we lead with clarity and purpose. Thanks for joining the Educate on Purpose family. Welcome to the Educate on Purpose podcast. I am Brandon House, here to help you lead purposefully, grow strategically, and care intentionally. And uh, I am so excited today because I'm already having fun. I hope you guys could see what is going on right now in the life of uh, two principals with four kids. Um, we are we are getting ready to record a we are recording a podcast in our closets right now. I have a good old friend of mine. Uh, he doesn't know this, but I've been secretly following him in his footsteps for like the last what eighteen years. How long have we been out of college? I don't know. Oh my word, too long, <laughs> too long. long following my footsteps, <laughs> and you're directing the ship, and I'm still back here. Like, what is going on? Right. Brandon, I'm so excited to be here, brother. Right. We've got Nate Miley, the doctor. Nate Miley on the show. He is the uh, host of the Ask a Principal podcast. He's also a principal. Uh, he's a husband, a father of four girls. Woo, we'll talk about that. Four girls. Um, and then he's an Enneagram 2. I'm an Enneagram 9. Uh, and he's a reader, Christ follower, bow tire. Nice. And uh, failure, but he has not stopped getting back up. And that's interesting. I want to talk about that a little bit more as we get into the podcast. But Nate, welcome. It's so glad to have you. I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. Brandon, I it, this is a thrill for me to be a guest on your podcast. I've listened to it. You've had some amazing guests. I definitely do not belong in the same category as some of those leaders. So I am, I'm just excited to be able to reconnect with you post-college to connect with a, a fellow principal, a uh, fellow man that is passionate about education and serving kids. So thank you so much for having me on today. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad uh, that you are on. And uh, likewise, I've, I've listened to a lot of your episodes. I was like, listening to your episode about getting your doctorate degree oh, i was like near tears just listening to it oh man it like if you guys haven't heard that episode yet it's it's a it's a tough one um but i just i have those are all the reasons why i do not want to get my doctorate <laughs> don't do it don't, all the people that are like don't do it it's like there's a reason <laughs> there's a reason there's a reason but yeah you know um, it, it's, it's certainly an honor to have you on the podcast. And I just have to tell you the story. So, um, you know, I'm in college and I, uh, it's probably my junior year, maybe my senior year. You know how uh, the college we went to, you have to do field experiences. So you have to mm-hmm. go and you have to teach and then your professor comes out and they evaluate you and do all this stuff. And so um, we both have uh, had the same professor. I think she actually just retired. Yes. Um, and so she came to the school where I was teaching and she's taking all of these notes and, you know, I'm done. I'm like putting on a show, trying to give my best. And afterwards I sit down with her and I'm like, how did I do? And she goes, 
do you know who Nate Miley is? Oh, God. And I was like, uh, no, I, I've never, never met him before. And she goes, oh, my goodness. You guys teach exactly the same way. Oh, you need to meet him. <laughs> he is so wonderful. He's so amazing. And uh, it turns out that our wives lived on the same wing during yes. college. Uh, it turns out also that we both got our master's degree from the same college. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're basically the same person. Yeah. You know, you're Tanner, better looking, more financially secure than I am. But, you know, no, 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 no. I've got a little bit more hair than you do. You do. Oh, man. If if I actually let my hair grow out, it would be an embarrassment. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, well, Nate, you know, obviously there's a reason why, uh, you know, our professor wanted me to, you know, just listen and follow you. And, you know, obviously I've, I've tried to keep up with you over the years and, and, you know, just keep up with some of the great things that you're doing. You're a leader right now. You're a principal. Just tell us a little bit about what you're doing um, and uh, your roles and, and, and um, just elaborate and tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So after college, because I like to stack stressors on stressors, <laughs> I got I graduated in 2006, which was the big uh, right before the big housing bubble burst. So I was able to buy a house before I had a job, mm-hmm. got married and then got a job in that order. I started teaching first grade in very close to the town where I grew up, which was so fun. And my dad gave me this joke. So I taught first grade for three years and became such a great reader. They instantly promoted me to fifth grade. And I <laughs> loved fifth grade. Fifth grade mm-hmm. was really where my passion was. I did that for four years and then was able to become an assistant principal up by where we went to school at in Marion, Indiana. Nice. And three years of that. And then I was blessed to get a job down here in Asheville, Tennessee. And I am completing my fifth year as a principal down here. Absolutely love it. It is just a highlight to be a principal and get to go into teachers' classrooms and just to see amazing things and get to brag on them and share, equip teachers with students that need them and to connect them with community members and resources it's just awesome it is such an awesome job absolutely love it that's awesome that's awesome yeah you know and and just thinking about that that transition you know I'm thinking about when I transitioned from being a teacher you know another thing we have in common I loved fifth grade I taught kindergarten and then I went from kindergarten to to, um, yeah so from kindergarten to fifth grade and I taught fifth grade for about six years gosh was Uh, it like the first like the first week in fifth grade just like why did I not come here sooner? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's so funny. I have this story where I was teaching some kindergartners and I taught um, a little bit where there was some, where there was a place where there wasn't a whole lot of diversity. And I had a kid come up to me in kindergarten and he says to me, he says, um, why do you have chocolate on your face? <laughs> and I said, uh, well, that's just because that's the way that God made me. He goes with chocolate on your face. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and so that was my experience in kindergarten. Oh, um, but yeah, from there I went to fifth grade. So, you know, I loved it. it it's, it's, it's amazing. But, uh, you know, um, just thinking about your experience from transitioning from, you know, in that classroom into leadership, you know, think of, tell us a little bit about how that transition happened and um, what have you learned? And now that you're a principal, you know, tell us a little bit about how you made that transition. 
Yeah, one of the things that you mentioned in my bio is that I am a failure, but that I have not stopped getting up. Mm -hmm. And kind of one of my core attributes as a person, I've, I've got two. One is being family focused. You know, I promised my wife and I promised I made a promise to her before I made a promise to any school district or, or family or teacher that, so that's always the driving force for me. And the reason that I go and I do my job, I'm so blessed to be a principal of the school where my kids go, which is, it's just a highlight of, of my life so far. Mm-hmm. So just being able to have these kind of overlapping experiences between home and profession have just been wonderful. But then the other thing is just being a risk taker and, being a host of a podcast, I know it's really easy to be really confident and, and say, you know, sound like I've got it all together. And I don't, you know, a lot of the, my failures are well in the past, but in the moment they were really, really devastating. But now I look back at those and I just see uh, Providence and just how God was putting me in a position um, where I can really be blessed and be a blessing to others. So it took me three years to transition from teacher to get my first AP job. And I spent a lot of time doing interviews. I, <laughs> so one of the, one of the things that I used to do at interviews was I would bring a, a family picture and I used to bake bread and then I had children and I don't have time to make bread <laughs> anymore, <laughs> but I would bake bread and I would leave it there. It's kind of this symbol of like, this is, this is me. I'm presenting myself to you. And I never got a job anywhere where I left <laughs> Brett and my family picture. So eventually my wife was like, you know, maybe you need to stop doing that. It's kind of weird. I was like, no, it's not weird. This is great. No, that was That's definitely hilarious. weird. But, it, but it's just kind of like, you know, I had a, I had a zone where I was like, this is where I'm going to get a job. And I did. I loved being a fifth grade teacher. So mm-hmm. part of it too was I, I just don't think I was ready to leave yet. And so eventually I had to broaden my circle and go to a school system that wasn't initially on my radar, but I, I absolutely loved it. And, and part of that, being able to look back now, there's no way I would be at the school I'm at now if I had not had those difficult experiences at, at an AP, as an AP at a very, very uh, urban, very diverse, uh, very poor, very high special education population. Um, in just a really, really needy community. And it was very difficult, very difficult three years. Um, So much so that when we came down to Nashville, I think it was maybe like three, three months into the the job one night, we're eating dinner. My wife, she says, you're different. I said, what do you mean I'm different? She goes, you're just happier here. And I can Mm. tell, and it's, it's difficult to work with difficult kids. It's difficult not to take on that stress and let that affect you. And uh, yeah, so. Wow. Yeah, you know, and and thinking about that transition, you know, you said it, it, it took three years. Obviously, there were some other things besides the, you know, the bread recipe, um, you know, that kept you from getting the job. But like, how did you know um, when it was, you know, you were eventually ready to leave the classroom and ready to become a leader? Yeah, I didn't. I did not go when I graduated college my goal was to be a kindergarten teacher the rest of my life and that plan was great until my wife and I got engaged in my senior year and then after that she goes wait a minute you want to be like 52 years old like on your knees with kids and I was like yeah 
And she's <laughs> like, I think you need to get a vision for what the future is and not be so short-sighted. Mm-hmm. And so what happened with that was I took, spent the next year in class and then I decided to go get my, my master's only because I would get a paid raise that would allow my wife to stay home, which was kind of our life goal so I could support our bare budget off of that. And mm-hmm. I got in grad school and I loved it. Absolutely mm-hmm. loved it. I didn't realize that I loved school so much until I started getting my master's. And through that process, I had a professor who was like, you should really think about leadership. And I was like, I love teaching. I do not want to have all that stress and burden. And I don't want to be away from the kids. Mm -hmm. But just in having some more conversations, really the biggest thing that changed for me was um, Al Long. Great guy. Did you ever have him? No, at uh, Wesleyan. Okay. <laughs> he, he might've retired before you got there. Really, really good guy. He sat me down. He said, listen, why do you love teaching? I was like, I just love these relationships and having this impact on these kids in my class. It's just amazing. He goes, you know, with you, leadership, he's like, you don't have that same connection with a group of kids, but you can create an entire building where there are people that have that same connection with kids. Right. And that caused me to think a little bit and to mature a little bit and just start to seek out wise counsel and say, what can you see me in this role? Mm -hmm. And then what, what do I lack now that I need to get figured out before I'd be ready? And so that's really what started me down that path of then really trying to leverage being a husband and a father and a teacher, but then also taking on more roles and and trying to figure out what are my margins and boundaries in life? And can we do this? And is it going to be enjoyable? And ultimately, I I decided that it would be and, and it has been. Um, But to that's a long way to not answer your question. So to answer your question, how did I know? I didn't. I will say this. When I left the classroom, I was sad to leave it. Mm. And there's not very many days that don't go by where I don't think back to that fifth grade team of teachers that I taught with or those fifth grade kids um, and think, man, if I could go back for a day, I totally would. Right. I totally would. Um, I really appreciate you saying that, Nate, because, you know, um, sometimes I think that, you know, the staff that we lead, um, you, you know, they think that uh, we're just in these uh, the, the hot seat, the, the, the throne all the time. And um, really, it's it's that we just love education. You know, leaders just love to teach. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I've never met a leader that didn't want to be in leadership um, to create more opportunities for other teachers and for the, for their students, you know, they just saw an opportunity, you know, we, we have a tendency as leaders to be, be dreamers, you know, have these great ideas and, and want to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to, uh, to partake in that. And so I just love you being genuine and, and, you know, sharing that like, Hey, you know, there are those days where I just miss teaching, which is, I think is true for all of us leaders. Yeah. I don't miss the paperwork. I don't miss the planning, (laughs) but I definitely miss those really, really strong relationships with kids. And I miss spending time, consistent time with the same kids is this just something unique about education, which is, I think most teachers and educators would agree that that's really one of the best parts of the job. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, now that you're a principal and you said you've been a principal, what, for the last five years? Yes, Um, sir. And so now that you're a principal, you've had some time to learn a few lessons along the way. And, you know, this is probably more for our listeners who are aspiring principals or aspiring APs. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you have some great stories about out there that uh, helped you find your, your great superpower, you know, some good advice or some bad advice that you, you've taken along the way, um, you know, for the listeners. So that way we can uh, learn from what you've learned from. What is your superpower and um, what story or what lesson uh, taught you that superpower? That's a group. That's a really, really good question. Um, as you're asking that, I was reminded that when I was a teacher and I looked around at other teachers, I didn't see a lot of teachers that I felt like taught the same way that I did. Mm-hmm. I'm loud. I'm energetic. I had a lot of fun every day. And so as, as, a, as I started to look around at other APs and principals, I realized I'm just different. I'm just wired differently than a lot of leaders. Um, I'm not that confident um, stand in the gap type person. I'm not Steve Jobs. You know, I walk in and internally, there are a lot of times where I'm just, I don't know what to do. Mm. And so I put on that brave front because sometimes that's what we all need. Um, I'm not answering this question very well, but I'm going to get, I'm going to get to, I'm going to get to the point. So one of the, one of the game changers for me was learning about myself. You know, in the bio, I said Enneagram 2, you know, Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, all of these personality types, it's a tool. And once I figured out what makes me tick and what motivates me, that's then helped me figure out, well, how do I use how I'm uniquely made mm-hmm. in order to lead from my position, lead from that vantage point? You know, I'm not like the principal at the next school over but what does my staff need and how can I communicate how I operate to my staff in advance during the interview process so that, so that teachers know, here's what I'm able to give. Here's what I'm good at. And here's what I'm awful at. Here's what I'm working on so that we can have appropriate expectations. So the biggest thing I would say to anybody aspiring to leadership is figure out who you are, figure out not only, the type of leader that you want to be, but figure out what are your actual legitimate strengths and capitalize on those and invest in those and drill down on those and make those your non-negotiables. And then the things that you need to work on, work on those, but then some things just say, this is not who I am. I'm not going to be this leader. And I, I am very blessed to be at a very, very successful elementary school in a really large urban district in Nashville, not because I had this great, amazing track record as an AP, but because, you know, there was a lot of years of compounded prayer. Then also I really knew who I was going into that interview. And I was able to present myself and say, this is who I am. This is who I'm not. This is what you're going to get from me. And then that really hasn't changed. I've only become a little bit more mature in that. You asked for a story. Uh, right. For that, so let me give you a story. Okay. Okay. So a story about a time where I made a really big mistake because I didn't really know myself. So my second year as a principal, one of the big things 
as, as a principal, you know, is communities important? Like we are a link between teachers and the community. And if we've got a strong community, if we can connect with the community, well, we're going to be so much better as a school than if we're kind of operating on our own. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there were, there was some information that got leaked out to the community. Apparently one of my teachers had said something to it. it I don't know what was said. I don't know who said what, but basically a community member came to me and said, well, I know my kid's not in the best teacher's classroom because I heard from so-and-so that so-and-so, and And that really bothered me because I was like, that's not how we do this. Mm -hmm. So I talked to my boss and I said, I told her about the situation and she said, all right, here's what you're going to do. She goes, you're going to call everybody into surprise meeting on Thursday you're going to write down what you need to say because she knows me and I'm a crier. <laughs> and she goes, you're going you're gonna to tell them what happened. You're going to tell them how it impacted the community. And then what you're going to do is you're just going to turn around and you're going to leave that meeting. And she goes, it's going to kill you, but you're going to just turn around, leave, get in your car and drive away. Mm-hmm. And so I did that because I thought that was the right thing to do. And after the fact, my leadership team, they said, what did you do? Like, why did you do that? That was, that was really hurtful that you did that. It didn't make sense. There's a lot of people confused. And I was still kind of immature at that point. I was like, you know, leadership team, what do they know? And then more and more people started to say the same thing to me. And then I was like, well, I thought that was the right thing to do. And no joke, my wife and I, we were talking about that incident, you know, three years later Mm -hmm. um, on spring break on a drive. And she goes, that was how that, how your boss ran her building and that's not wrong that's just how she did things and that's what people expected from her she said from you like that was hurtful because that's not what people expect that's not how you normally treat people Mm -hmm. and so in a situation like that what I should have done I should have done is I should have called everybody together and I should have just said y'all here's what happened here's how that made me feel like this is not who we are can we talk about this and have kind of this little mini therapy session uh, and kind of reset where we are and, and how we do things. And no joke, that is, that is something that we're in the middle of end of the year conferences. I'm asking for people for feedback later. The question is, what does Nate need to do better? Um, or uh, what does Nate need to be improved? Be brutally honest. Literally somebody brought that up. She's like, and I'm glad we haven't had any of those, like the gym situations again. <laughs> oh, wow. It's like, yeah. yeah. So that was a huge fail with staff, but thankfully, you know, when you're able to get into a place and you're able to develop strong relationships with people and you're able to have trust, sometimes you stretch that. Sometimes you break that trust. But if you're willing to go back and say, I'm sorry, I messed up, especially as the leader, there is, there is nothing that you can do that communicates to somebody who is under your authority more that you care about them than when you go to them and you say, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I want to do better. Can we talk about this and you help me get better? Mm. And I, lo- I love that. There's, there's so many good things uh, that came from that. And I like, I'm, I'm just sitting here reflecting on some of the things that I've done in my role as a leader. And of course, like in any job you take, you, you start off by mimicking the people that you you see or the, the people who yes. guide you. Um, and so I, I just love the idea of identifying who you are as a leader 
Um, and that's something that I talk about a lot. You know, if, if you've heard any of the other episodes, my favorite phrase is authenticity wins. And so mm-hmm. if you are not authentic, uh, then people just don't, people don't want to follow somebody who's, who's not real. Um, and so you have to be true to yourself. And I guess out of curiosity, you know, uh, in Enneagram 2, describe the, the strengths and weaknesses. What, what, how would you describe yourself as an Enneagram 2? So I think education is filled with a lot of twos. So twos, we love to be the helper. We love to be the servant to others. We love to know what you need and be able to fulfill that need for you. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I will do things I shouldn't do. They're good things. They win me bonus points. I do them because I want to do them, but it's not always what I need to be doing. Gosh, my first two years, I did cafeteria duty a lot because that was an escape for me. That's fun. Mm-hmm. I like to walk around the building with tools. Somebody's like, oh, this is broken. I'm like, oh, I can fix that in like two seconds. And it makes me feel so good. But the dark side of that is as, as the principal, there are things that only I can do. And if I'm not doing those because I'm helping other people, eventually the ship is going to crash and then people will be like, you know, it was really nice that you stepped in and you covered my class for those 30 minutes. But now I really wish you would have taken care of that big thing because now it's causing chaos because we don't have a system in place or communication. Um, yeah. yeah. And so the other bad thing about it too, is we are dark. We love to help, but the, the, the dark side of that is that we help sometimes because we don't think that you actually will care. And so we kind of use that as relationship collateral control so that when I come to you and I say, can you help me? And you don't, I want to be like, well, don't you remember all these things I did for you? Mm. So it's not always helping in love. Yeah. I can see that, you know, and and I'm an Enneagram nine, which is very similar, but it's the, uh, the people pleaser. So like, I'm definitely the leader who, um, you know, I spent probably longer than the first three years, probably the first five years of my, my, my role as a, as a leader, just walking around and supporting, uh, you know, whoever I could, like, I would love to be outside of my office or not having a meeting and just being around a kid, you know, uh, I remember whenever I would get overwhelmed with a meeting, I'd go outside and play basketball with the students yes. <laughs> because yes. that, that was uh, that was way more exciting than actually doing the work. Um, and so, you know, it's definitely uh, I, I've learned as a leader that I have to learn myself. And, and if I am, you know, not aware of my strengths and weaknesses, then they can, you know, definitely get a whole, get the best of me. And it's not best for the, for the school. And so I've just learned recently and, and, you know, in all transparency, like the last two years uh, where I've just learned how to like delegate responsibilities. I don't have to do recess duty. I don't have to answer every parent phone call. You know, I can focus on the work that's going to help our school be successful, but it took me a really long time to let go of that just because, you know, I needed it for me and not for the school. So I appreciate you sharing that. Well, that's the other thing about you, the authenticity component. It's, for, for ourselves, and we're having this internal dialogue, it's I need to be the best leader I can. And the best leader is perfect. It doesn't make mistakes and knows what's going to happen. And is so preemptive and 
the, that leader doesn't deal with this kind of stuff. That leader doesn't make this mistake. That leader, you know, has more time to get all this stuff done. And it's, it's, it's such a lie. That's such a lie because I mean, one, no one's perfect, but, so many of us, we don't want to follow somebody that's perfect. We want to follow somebody that's like us, right. that is imperfect, that struggles with things, that when they make a mistake, that they're willing to come and say, I'm sorry, I messed up, guys. That's leadership. That's, that's the kind of people that ultimately, for the long term, that we're going to follow. Right. It's not the person that doesn't have any flaws because, that, because when we see people like that, we just say, they're not like me. You know, I, I can't be like that. And right. it's so unmotivating. Right. Right. And it's so crazy because I think that people think there aren't leaders who are made up like you and me, <laughs> you yeah. know, there, there are so many people who think that the leader is, is ironclad, that nothing gets to them. They have all the red answers. And so, man, like this is, this is so great. I, I hope there's a listener out there right now who's listening, who's like, man, I've because I remember my first year of being a principal. I I have this very clear experience where I was walking down the hallway and I, I try to remember all the principals that I ever had or ever followed, and they never smiled. And so I would I walked, I remember walking down the hallway and not smiling at anybody and just kind of like waving raising my hand to wave at <laughs> <Yes>. people. <laughs> I wish you guys could see this. So I would just do that. And I walked past a parent who was in the front office to get to my office. And I walked in and I closed the door just like, yeah, you know, I'm the principal. And she comes around the front desk and she bangs on my door and I open the door and she says, excuse me, who are you? Ooh. And I said, I am Brandon House. She's like, no, no, no. What is your role here? And I said, I'm the principal. She said, yeah, I know. And you are the face of the school and you clearly are not doing a good job at at that. And she's like, if this is the way it's going to be, I'm going to pull my kids out right now. And that was my lesson in like, you know, first step in being authentic is like, I don't need to walk around stone faced and making sure that everybody knows that I'm authority. It's uh, be who I am. And I'm, I'm a smiler. I smile even when I'm in the t- most <laughs> terrible meetings ever. Um, but that's just who I am. And I'm, I'm proud that God made me that way. So, yeah. 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 And that's the thing. Like there are every school, every community is different. It's, it's got a different makeup of people and, a, and a different school climate and a school culture. And, a principle is a big part of shaping that, that, that climate and that culture. And it's, you can shape that to be more aligned with who you are, as long as you know who you are and you're mm-hmm. open with that. And if you've got weaknesses, like for me, it's communication. Every year, my staff, it's communication. I've had more people tell me that my communication is better this year, but I still have a substantial amount of people that are like, yeah, the communication piece, it's still not there this year. So it's like, yeah, that's that's something I still need to work on mm-hmm. type deal. Um, it, but when you know yourself and you can be open with that, you can set realistic expectations for people. And that also allows you to, to you know, you talk about superpowers on the show for, for you to really flex that leadership superpower. Mm-hmm. And that, man, that's so fulfilling. Right. It's so fulfilling when you get to spend... It, the majority of your day 
using your strengths. Right. Right. Man, this is this is so awesome. I I, I love this conversation. Um, and you've shared a ton of information. And I, I think, you know, d- just if we could sum up this conversation, it's all about the authentic- authenticity. It's all about knowing who you are as a leader and making sure that as you step into a leadership role, obviously there are a lot of APs right now who just got their first principalship and they're going to spend the rest of the summer preparing to, to move into that role. You know, uh, it's if I could sum up what Nate was saying, it's like, the first thing you need to think about as a leader is is making sure you understand who you are as a leader. And that's going to evolve as you grow and you become more uh, equipped and you you become acclimated to your environment. But, you know, starting off knowing who you are as a person is, is definitely the right step in the right direction. I know that there are a lot of school leaders out there who are looking to share their voice out with the masses who, like me, have a lot of things to say about education. Well, if you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you a little bit. Anchor is free. And the great thing about Anchor is there's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. The other great thing about Anchor is that it will distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimal listenership. And it's everything you need right in one area to make your podcast. It's great. So if you're curious about how to start your own podcast and share your voice with the masses, then download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started today. So uh, Nate, it is it is now time. We are reaching the end of the podcast. Are you prepared? This is probably the most fun of the episode. Uh, it is the rapid fire questions. I'm already <laughs> sweating, so I don't know if I can be any more ready than I am right now. <laughs> nice, nice. All right. Well, here we go. Um, I, I haven't given a time for these questions yet, but I feel like I should like add like you get 30 seconds to answer yes. these questions, something like that. Um and I know you're you're a competitor like I am, so I feel like it might be fun just to like, hey, okay, now you got thirty seconds answer. Done. So <laughs> ready. Here we go. First, rapid. No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, wait, that wasn't the question yet. You gotta. <laughs> he's 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 too False anxious. Start. False start. Restart. Here we go. Rapid fire question number one: If you could add any course to your school's curriculum, what would it be, and why? I would add a course on empathy and getting kids in a big circle and being able to talk about their different homes, their languages, and their cultures. We don't have enough time at school just to be able to connect in that way as people. Right. That is going to be a whole... I got to bring you on for another podcast episode. I got to bring you on. Come on. (laughs) Because I have another question about this. And it was related to a conversation that I had today. Uh, But maybe I'll bring Nate back on and we can talk about empathy because I have a great question for that one. You got to check the ratings before you bring me back because this might be a bad thing for educate (laughs) on purpose. Hey, I'm going to have fun anyway. This is all about enjoying (laughs) what we do. (laughs) Next question. Rapid fire. What keeps you up at night? That was the first question that the 
Metro Nashville superintendent asked me mm. in my job interview. And that was a point where I realized, oh, I'm not getting this job. <laughs> 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 but seriously, uh, how to get from good to great. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I lift a, a school, a good school filled with great teachers from where it is to fulfilling its vision of being a place where every kid that comes in, regardless of their background, their limitations, regardless of, you know, the great things that they have, that they can fulfill their purpose mm-hmm. while they're at school with us, because it is hard to not be complacent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you and I are, are on the same page of being Christ followers. And I just feel like as an educator, that's something that I'm going to get asked when mm-hmm. I get into eternity is how, what did you do for these children that I entrusted you with? Mm-hmm. You know, were you, did you say, oh, that's good enough? Or you did, or did you say, no, there's more. I need to push these kids and, and truly help them. Because education, sorry, I'm getting on my soapbox again. <laughs> education is about changing lives. Like right. everybody has a favorite teacher and every kid has a teacher that they thought didn't like them or could care less about them. That's the one right. unifying thing. Maybe not homeschool. You have a teacher you don't like, but uh, hopefully you have a teacher you do like if you were homeschooled. But it's <laughs> we are leaving a mark on kids that they will remember forever. Right. And that is important. And that is worthwhile. And that's what makes coming to work so important. And that's what makes taking a day off when you're not feeling your best so important. Mm-hmm. I feel like you've been in some of my staff meetings. Uh, and anybody who's listening who's a staff member knows that I'm a crier when it comes <laughs> to this type of conversation. And I will stand up and I will get on my soapbox about why is it so important to make sure we give our best for our kids? Brandon, um, let me read you something. Let okay. me read this to you. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this to my staff on the last day of school. Mm-hmm. I'm a reader. I love books. So this is from, this is from the book, Other, Worlds, Other Words for Home by Jasmine Varga. And I read it. It's a young adult novel. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's, it's not super long, but I'll read it for just a little bit. Yeah. We have our final practice before opening night. At the end of it, we all take our pretend bow, imagining the audience will be seated there tomorrow night clapping, clapping for us. And then Mrs. Bloom does clap. She claps for us. I'm so proud of all of you, she says. You've worked so hard and you've brought this story to life. We all look at each other and clap and bow, proud of each other, proud of what we have created together. It is lovely to be a part of something that feels bigger than you. I'm going to repeat that. It feels lovely to be a part of something that feels bigger than you. That's what we do in education. We give our life and our time and our love to kids that aren't our own children so that they can be something bigger, greater. It's awesome. That's it. Show's over. Uh, (laughs) Nate put the nail in the car. That was like... (laughs) I think I might steal that. You'll have to send me that quote, but that is that is exactly it right there. Uh, you've completely derailed the whole uh, rapid fire question. <laughs> you have defeated rapid fire Dang questions. It. The first person ever. <laughs> uh, but no, this that was really awesome. 
Um, and, you know, there's a great book uh, by Lisa Delpit uh, that I quote all the time, uh, Other People's Children. Um, and it just is, is, is same lines, you know, thinking about we have the opportunity to make an impact on kids' lives. And it's, it goes beyond us. And some of these kids, the students that we teach, they don't get any other positive influence except for us. And we can't forget that these aren't our kids. These are somebody else's children and they're entrusting us day in and day out to spend hours a day teaching them and giving them our best. And so even though it's easy for us to get complacent, you know, it, it is, uh, it's more important for us to remember that we're impacting somebody's life. Um, and so I, I think what you said is, you know, it's so awesome. We get the privilege of being a, a part of something that's greater than us. Yeah. And even this conversation that you and I are having, we don't say students, we say kids. These right. are our kids. You listen to teachers. This, these are my kids. Right. It's right. cool. Exactly. Well, um, l- let's just, we'll, we'll, we're going to com- shut down rapid fire questions. <laughs> there, there's no more. <laughs> um, but you, you lucked out because I was going to ask you uh, what your leadership style is in a song. Um, uh, but uh, I don't know. We'll skip that one for now. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's not going to be was it a Care Bears theme song, something like something <laughs> terrible like that. Yeah, that's hilarious. But uh, Nate, this has certainly been a fantastic conversation and I'm already planning on how we can have you back on the show because I believe there's so many leaders um, that obviously everything that you hit on today is the reason why the, the the podcast is named what it's called, you know, educate on purpose. And I believe that, you know, uh, we are created as educators for a purpose and we are, we are made to impact uh, the lives of the students that we lead and the teachers that we lead. Amen. And, uh, you know, Every day when we step on campus, we have something important. We have a job, a mission that we have to carry out. Um, and, you know, it's by the grace of God that we've been given the energy, uh, you know, the, the, the faculties to be able to, you know, stand up and uh, do what we do. So uh, thank you, Nate. You have, create, you have created such a, uh, it's, it's the end of the school year. I have like five days left of school and now I'm like ready to start a whole new school year. <laughs> I'm amped up right now. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Brandon, it has been an honor. It is a pleasure to be on on your podcast. I'm a big fan of the work that you do because, as you know, it is hard. It is hard Mm -hmm. to lead a building and to give of yourself all day. And then it is hard to come home and to give to your children and then also then to spend time on a podcast to help other people. You are a good man. You are a good leader. Big fan of educator, educator, educate (laughs) on purpose and a big fan of your show. So this is an honor. I'm humbled. Thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah. And uh, just to end off the episode, why don't you share where we can, where we can find you, your podcast, how can we get in touch with you? Anything else you want to share? Yeah. So I have a podcast on education. It's called Ask a Principal. You can find it on all the major podcast networks. We are, we'll be doing season three next uh, next year. It is a collaborative effort with my wife and I, where we believe that there are a lot great, there are a lot of really great untold stories in education. So we want to provide a platform for people to share their stories. Yeah. 
Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nate. And thank you, educators that are listening today. And remember to educate on purpose. If you enjoyed this week's podcast, be sure to rate and subscribe. You can find this show on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcast. Also, school leaders, would you like to learn how to lead with more clarity and stronger purpose? Do you want to transform your leadership and fulfill your vision as a school administrator? If so, then check us out at the School Leaders Circle. This is a mastermind designed for growth-minded school leaders. School leadership is difficult. At times, it can be stressful, isolating, and confusing. The pressure to lead a successful school can take a toll on your professional and personal well-being. You need a strong support system that understands your challenges personally and professionally and is willing to support you in your time of need. In the School Leader Circle, we have one common goal, and that is to lead our schools on purpose. We are willing to celebrate your greatest successes, support you in your toughest challenges, and encourage you to grow beyond your comfort zone. If you're interested in joining this amazing community of educators, then check it out on my website at brandongehouse.com slash S-L-C-A-P-P. Once again, that is brandongehouse.com slash S-L-C app. Hope to see you there. And lastly, if you are interested in learning more about me or following me on any of my social media sites, check me out at Mr. Brandon House on Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Once again, that is Mr. Brandon House. Thanks again for listening and remember to educate on purpose.